I'm here. <laughs> Thankfully, it's quite easy when you've only got to get out of your bed and roll, roll through to the living room. But Our biggest guest. Our biggest guest. And I had to phone you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if he was coming on, did I? I'd had no confirmation. Uh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he'd maybe patch you again all week and we'd just get it up on. No, 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 no. He's, yeah. he's, good to go. he's in the chat room, so he's in the, the, the room. So we'll, we'll get started. Anyway, what kind of week you had? Yeah, not bad, actually. Um, although a Zoom-heavy working week. I think I worked it out over Wednesday and Thursday. I was on, on Zoom for about 12 out of 14 hours. Of 12 yeah. out of 14 working hours, yeah. Just a lot of meetings. So Your hair's growing back. Are you there? I hope we're not going to have too much of a problem with regards to this internet. It's been a bit sketchy up until now. Can you hear me at all? I think that was me. Was it? Ah, ah okay. The, the, the internet's a bit sketchy. I just hope we don't have too many problems this morning. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. How's your week been anyway? Hey, not too bad. Um, we've had this flood at work and uh, we ended up carving a hole this is months ago carving a hole and i thought well i'm gonna have to make sure and get the guy out and carve a bigger hole so we carved a bigger hole which was about two meters by three meters in the floor and the in shit uh-huh and the shit that is underneath the floor i mean there, there, there was a cistern there was a cistern underneath the <laughs> this floor stuff just piled up <laughs> terrible terrible luckily enough there were no bodies no thankfully <laughs> Well, I know then to be worried when you rush to get the floor filled up oh. <laughs> with concrete. <laughs> Listen, we'll get Kyle on. Hopefully, he's still there. Um, so, what we'll do is I've got another video to have a look at. There's a guy called Brendan, okay. uh, what's his name? Brendan McMullen. So, he played at Sterling the year before yep. 2018. Remember, yep. South African Landing. guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he scored, scored 600. So, he's got an interesting. Um, COVID coaching uh, technique. I'll I'll I'll, I'll okay. let you look at that. We'll get Kyle on, and uh, we'll 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 both go go through it. So excellent. We'll we'll get it on. Um, I'll just get him in the chat room. But before that, I shall share the screen just so you can see what we're looking at. I'm ready to go. Yes, you're ready to go. So share that. We're good to go. Right. Let's get him in. Oh, it's a narrow corridor. <laughs> it's a very narrow corridor. All right, he's there connecting to audio. It looks, bit, it looks a bit grumpy. <laughs> sorry, sorry, lads. How are we? You're on camera now. Give us a smile. <laughs> well, this is as good as my smile gets, so there we go. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was, I was caught off guard there a little bit. My screen just sort of something happened, and all of a sudden, I'm, I've got a You're on. Your screen on there. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> good, good. How are you keeping you well? Yes, okay, thank you. Yeah, as good as, as, good as we all can be, I guess. Yeah. Uh, One moment. of the things I wanted to ask you is what training are you doing? I mean, are you doing, th you can't do throw downs, you've got a bowling machine, and what is it that you're able to do at the moment? Uh, well, you know, everything's sort of, well, everyone's been in lockdown, hasn't it? So yeah. um, any any training that people have been doing is probably because of their own boredom. 
um, and you know they just they want to keep themselves physically in some kind of kind of shape. Um, so, so in, in terms of what you know for for Cricket Scotland, we haven't necessarily been doing we haven't been doing anything for them um, because we're all furloughed. So um, it's just it's just our own individual pride, so to speak, to keep, keep ourselves going. Yeah. But um, you know that dwindles very quickly as soon as you you know you can't really see any opportunity for things to open. But yeah, look, um, I know I know I've tried to keep myself busy, but. What can you do? You know, what have you been doing? That, that's the question. How have you been keeping busy? Oh, absolutely nothing, I have to say. <laughs> I, was, I was doing some throwdowns with Mike Miller and we, we were in uh, the, uh, the Nissan hut at West and we got the bowling machine going. But once, once it went into lockdown, you know, we played by the rules and we were going down there and hitting 100 balls every Friday morning before work and then this thing happened and we haven't done anything at all. So, um, yeah. What, we'll what to, I we'll thought have to, is we'll have to draft you in soon, then you you are getting them better than we are. <laughs> um, I want to just show you. Um, you were talking there about um, practice, and and there's a video here that you can see that on the screen, Kyle. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is a fellow by the name of uh, Brendan McMullen. You probably don't know him. He played at Sterling in 2018, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got the sock in a ball. You've probably all done this. Sock in a ball and, and hang it from the roof. Um, and just what I want, he's going to come on and he does some sort of strange things just before he starts. And I just wanted after the video, we'll just have a, a look at it, Kyle, and, and give us your thoughts on that. And then we'll have a chat about it afterwards. So he's coming in here. He's a South African lad. Yeah. I like it. Good commitment. Good commitment, isn't it? Yeah. Full weights. And where do you see this? Where do you see this? You see this? It's, it's pretty tough for him to play any kind of cross-bat shots in well, there. So you, he, that, he, that, play all, he play it down the ground, isn't he? So there we go. <laughs> That'll all become apparent. So and it, it's pretty much like any cricketer these days. That, that, that there's no stumps. You don't, you no. don't have to take in regard to the stumps. <laughs> you stand where you want and move about anywhere. And he starts off really well. There we go. Nice straight bat. And then... And then, and then this happens. He loses it. Oh, no. <laughs> lost the well, just decide it's time to make a bit of space. Oh, I just, I don't know what happened to him. Well, yeah, I think, I think it is, it is the, uh, the standard way people are these days, isn't it? Where you, you knock it back, you think, oh, well, I'll play straight for a few balls, and then all of a sudden, here we go, I'm going to have a bit of a wish get at this. I'm going to change, <laughs> change plan. You know, doesn't, these youngsters these days, don't, they, don't, they don't last very long in terms of, you know, let's play it straight and block it. That's how we all got taught, wasn't it? You'd fancy a go at him in there, though, Bowen. If he's practicing in there regularly, you'd fancy a few short balls at him. He's not going to be particularly good hooking, is he? He's gonna, well, he might struggle to get out of the way, wouldn't he? You could follow him a little <laughs> exactly. bit. Or ping him off the, the wall, maybe. Have you got more screen sharing for us, Johnny? Oh. Yeah, so here we go here. So this is a good one. I thought we'd start with this one, Carl. So this, I think, is an under-19 squad. Would this be a World Cup? Um, yeah. Sort of picture before you went out. Yeah, it was at the it was at the airport in Edinburgh. I remember in the hotel we we met there. I think we must have stayed overnight and then left the next morning. But yes, yeah, it brings back some some really good memories. That that was that was the first under nineteen World Cup I think we ever we ever went on. So some and some good names in there. You know, one to obviously point out top left Money Bitball. What I see that. I know, I <laughs> he looks pretty young there, doesn't he? Was, and and is that shaky there to your left? Uh, yeah, it is shaky, yeah. 
Yeah, I've had a few chats with him, him of late, but yeah. Aha, with the um, cr cricketing journeys. How did you get on with him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shaky, I've known Shaky for, for a long time. So, uh, we've, we, you know, we spent, we spent six months in, in Cape Town together as well. So, and me and Shaky ha have had our fair share of falling outs over the years, but, you know, we, we bring it back and uh, um, we're good mates, you know. We've, we've, we've known each other for a long time. We bring it back, we've got some, some great stories to, to chat over. But, um, There's not too many people he's not fallen out with. No, I think I think that's been a fairly fairly common part of his uh, Settlers' <laughs> career in Scotland, is it not? So, so anybody anybody in there who who we don't know who we should know? Um, well, let's just go let's go along there. I mean, there's there's a few from the west there that I'm sure you. Well, there's Spexy. How the hell did he get in the team? <laughs> Well, yeah, well, there we go. So, someone who bowls straight bricks. There's been plenty of those who've, uh, <laughs> who've been successful in their, their days as, as cricket players. He was certainly one of those. Brilliant. And then we've got Brendan McCarcher right next to him. Is, is Brendan? I'm sure Brendan works at Harrow School now. Does he? Right, okay. Head of, head of sport or head of, head of cricket. I'm sure I heard and, that. Um, and who's to the left of Spegsy? Who's that? That is... Um, uh, yeah, I forget his name now. Zahir, um, Zahir Mohammed. Okay. And he was he was a leading player back then in in our team and and coming through the years, he was always a bit bigger than everyone else and used to smash it all over and bowl bowl quite quite fast. I remember yeah. that. Stuart, Stuart Murray next to him. Oh yeah. Oh Fergus Lee. Yeah. Yes, Stuart Murray. Also played at West for a few years. Yeah. Now they reckoned he was a bit of a player back in the day. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. A, he was a stylish-looking player, and he, he played. Yeah, he played. Played some good, good cricket. Um, I'm not really sure what what happened to him in, in the end. I think I think the world took charge, as it does to, as it's done with most of these people in this in this picture. Looks as if somebody's tried to break his nose there. Typical Fergus <laughs> lad. <laughs> I do, I do, what I love about this picture is that kit is absolutely horrific. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> so. And well, who, who's this guy here? Is that the big, um, is he from Aberdeen, that guy? That's him, Chris West, yeah. That's right. He was about seven foot eight or yeah. something. He was a big boy. I, I, I seem to remember, yeah, he was a, he was a good bowler. Uh, I seem, but I seem to remember the West Indies taking a liking to him and, and that day <laughs> at, uh, at Christchurch in, in New Zealand when we, when we played them. Yeah. And bowled, bowled certainly disappearing over the, the stands there. But, yeah. Um, Money, but I tell you what, Money was a standout for us. He was a standout performer. He was about fifteen years old back then. Um, so you're younger than him or older than him? I'm, I'm, I'm a few months older than him. I'm about a year, I'm about a year, I reckon. And your paths would have crossed, obviously, at Durham. That's right. Yeah. Well, well we're almost too close at Durham. I think our, <laughs> our beds, our beds are about a meter apart for six months. So that was that was a bit close. Uh -huh. <laughs> um. Yeah, Moni. Yeah, he 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 he'll probably feature in a number of my stories over the over the years when I, when I come to the stage where I can start talking about them. But yeah, from from leaving from leaving iron marks on on white carpet floors and and um, starting fires in the kitchen unintentionally, not not on purpose, um, just to to all sorts of all sorts of things. But I'm I'm thinking we should have maybe had this conversation before I employed him. 
Have you have you taken Monty Barnum? Monty is working, yes. He's working at the yeah. bricks and mortar. Yes. Bricks and mortar could become a much more interesting podcast. Gain, gainful employment, gainful employment. So listen, I just wanted to talk initially about um, Durham. Um, and was professional cricket something that you really wanted to do? And, and, and when did you decide, you know what, professional crickets, that's my, that's my bag? Well, I think I just played everything, to be honest. I, I, I wasn't much of a, a rugby player, although I was kind of forced to play that at school. That was like part of the curriculum. Um, I, played, I played football. But I was certainly more of a summer sportsman when yeah. the rain came down and the, it snowed and stuff. I wasn't I wasn't overly keen to get outside, but I, I it was probably more I just followed my old man around. So uh, I knew on a Saturday he was playing either rugby or or cricket, and I went with my two older brothers. And it just sort of from from one day playing in the Aberdeen leagues football and someone running past me saying, oh, "Next time you you run past me," which must have said, it's, it's not what I do these days. I certainly don't run past people in the warm-up field in football these days. But um, and, and when I do, if I ever manage to anti-skill one through the legs or something like that, nutmeg them, um, I, I don't get the chirp of someone saying, well, I'm going to break your legs next time you do that. So I think that was pretty much, that was pretty much the end of that. I'd sort yeah. of, I, didn't, I didn't fancy that. I, I much rather someone throw a ball or throw a rock at my head um, from 22 <laughs> yards away. That, that was sort Thanks of the decision I made. But, I knew at least I could I could do something about that and get out of the way or or attempt to try and hit it as I did back in those days. So, um, so probably probably around the edge of sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, I would have thought sort of started getting into the mix. And people I played alongside then, even guys like Ian Young, who who you had on last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Youngy had said that it was Mike Hendrick who'd got him into the MCC. Um, how did you get in touch with Durham? How did that all work out? Did they approach you, um, I presume? No, no, no. It was it was the same person, Mike Hendrick again. So Mike Hendrick, Willie Morton um, uh, were the two uh, two people that sort of I was involved with towards you know my under nineteen days and, and yeah. Mike Hendrick put me in touch with with Durham and I used to go up and down. Um, he was good friends with Jeff Cook, and yeah, the, the sort of the link sort of started there. I used to go down to Sacriston, which is about two miles from Chesley Street, uh, and I was terrified. Honestly, there were some guys in there, and the floor <laughs> was rock hard. Uh -huh. it wasn't like it wasn't like us training on a wooden floor somewhere in Scotland or yep. what we'd be used to until MES came around and the ball wouldn't bounce above your knee high probably with a mat down. And these guys are rocketing it past my head. So I was like, what's going on here? And they're all, you know, I would say compared to, to me, um, a little bit more rough and ready. So I was a bit, I was, I was certainly out of my depth. Um, I guess it taught me to, to learn fast, taught me to learn and fast. And did you go down there, what, on a Sunday then? I mean, what kind of trip was that? From Aberdeen down to, to Durham and then I presume you went back up the same day, did you? Yeah, there were, yeah exactly. I used to travel with my with my mum and dad. They'd probably leave my two older brothers up in Aberdeen with someone. A pretty lengthy five-hour drive, maybe six-hour drive from Aberdeen. Jesus. I'd, I'd turn up there, walk in there, didn't know anyone. Um... And yeah, that's pretty, pretty much how it started. Then another occasion would catch a train. My mum would take me down all on my own um, and go in there. And kind of 
kept, that was it, to be honest. I, I and, sort of and, and did you think you were there. good enough for them to offer you a contract? When did you think, you know what, I'm expecting a contract? Did you, did you expect a contract from them or what? Um, no, not, not at all. I was, I was just sort of, I was encouraged to go down to Mike Hendrick, like I said, got in touch with Jeff Cook, come down and join this cricket school of excellence, it was called, and, and I just used to go down. Um, and I think that was sort of the start of the link, really. Yeah. And then yeah. Sort of two or three years following, so I'd go down each year for, over the winter, once or twice, two or three years following, once school was sort of finishing, I went down and I joined them and towards the end of the summer, joined the academy for a trial at somewhere in London. We went and played a game that somewhere in London and I got a few runs and, and actually Ross Taylor, we played against MCC. All right. Ross Taylor was playing against. Again. Yeah. Um, I got a few runs. I remember someone getting clattered in the head at short leg and I was thinking, geez, no chance I'm doing that. Um, <laughs> and, and funnily enough, as, I, as my career progressed, that was a position I ended up um, getting into. Probably because I shelled heaps of easy catches in the outfield. <laughs> and, there you so. and I still shell easy catches, so there we go. Young, uh, Ian, Young, he spoke a lot about quite last week about how he didn't, some of the reasons he felt he didn't stick at the MCC was about he didn't go to sort of play for a club side whilst he was down there and stuff. I guess as the person who's stuck a lot, like the, in, certainly in my lifetime, the person who's played the most county cricket, Scottish player that's played the most county cricket that I can think of. What do you think made you stand out? Was it talent? Was it commitment to doing all that extra stuff? Um, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest, because I don't, I don't see myself having a, a massively different um, upbringing, so to speak, as, mm -hmm. as young you. We were both keen cricketers. Um, family members both enjoy cricket, both uh, massively involved with um, the clubs that, that, that we came through. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did, you know, we both, we both loved the game. I, 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 don't, I don't really know the, the, the difference. Um, I think maybe I got a couple of opportunities at right times and mm -hmm. I performed really well in those opportunities. And, and then I just sort of started opening doors. I thought, it was a, you know, Young, he still is a, is a great player, good stylish left-hander, the only person I've ever known to get caught at third man three games in a row during under-19. <laughs> But yeah, um, maybe maybe I just I just got opportunities at the right times, and I now surrounded by people who pushed me in the right ways. Possibly, mm -hmm. I think it's so important to have a backer, and I think somebody who's who's got your back and who is prepared to push you and potentially take a risk or a gamble on you. But ultimately, they're not going to take that risk or gamble until unless you've shown that you're able to perform under pressure and in particular situations. So. I guess, as with most things, there's a fair amount of give and take. But I think mm. that if you've got somebody who's got your back, then when you're struggling, then instead of getting catapulted out, you'll maybe be given that additional additional chance. Yeah, you, your career has certainly more downs than ups, um, and and you need you need someone to back you. Um, when a new coach comes in, you hope that they'll. They'll back you, but you know. But you'd also hope that they give the whole group a, a fair opportunity. Um, you see that in football, don't you? More, more so that people in and out, um, staff come in, staff come out. They tend to go with the, with that that coach. Um, yeah, you you need to have that backing, but you also you have to find a way to um, 
get a performance on on with when your opportunities arise. That uh, it's not it's not really a bugbear, but the the it's something that always always sort of happens is when someone someone wants an opportunity, but how do they earn that right to get that opportunity? Um, do you go with gut feel sometimes? And yes, that's part of it. But people, when people are given something, you know, when I started playing for Durham, I was batting six, seven maybe. Um, when I started on the academy at Durham, I was batting similar. When I started for Stonywood, I was batting similar. Start Durham seconds, similar. So where do you find the opportunity? When I first went to Cape Town, with with Shaky that year, I was playing third team cricket. Yeah, and then first week you just make you try and make an impression. Then next week I was in the seconds, and then two weeks later I was in the first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a progression, progression, but you need someone to back you. Yeah, and I do think the thing you're saying as well about a per, like performing. Obviously, it sounds really obvious, but performance in key things does get like if you get those opportunities and you take that, it does then count for so much if it's in a sort of pressurised situation or some people will be able to have something to refer back to whereas if it yeah I think if you have a bit of a dud in in one of those opportunities then it also tends to look slightly un- people look slightly unfavourably on it I guess yeah it, it can it can build on you can't it you know if you get if you have a, first, a bad first performance and then a second one and then a third one or you don't quite do what you'd hoped to have done one thing that I've always sort of prided myself over the years and I don't know why it happened but it did happen every game or every time I played for a new team a first uh, a first game or a second game I always scored runs I always put in a performance and Mm. there was part of me that was like well and I realized this connection over the years and I I always score runs for the first first game I play for a new team so that'll be going to South Africa um uh, or playing Durham seconds, or my, actually, my first ever hundred wasn't for a club side, wasn't for a regional side. It was it was for Durham second team. My first ever hundred came Shit. probably at age yeah. age nineteen, and my first ever Durham second team game. I'd never scored a hundred to that point. I don't think anyone at Durham knew that, and and I certainly wasn't going to go and tell them. <laughs> but but then it followed two, then it followed the next two innings. I got three hundreds in a row. Um, so it's just it just obviously clicked you you got a bit yeah. of confidence but that that was the one thing that was tough about growing up playing cricket in Scotland we always had to retire at 30 or retire at yeah. 50 or so you, you'll probably remember all that and, and that was about giving people opportunities wasn't it but mm. um yeah that, it, it's it's a strange thing so I found that connection and the more I started to think about it the more opportunities I I got then actually the worse I got with that first performance, but I still found a way to score within my first three games for a new team. So, especially when you travel playing playing franchise tournaments, it's it's on you. You know, mm. the team comes together. You're together sometimes for a day, maybe for a week. You got performing, and you're given that opportunity. So, and I've been fortunate enough to find a way to do that. And your first game for Durham, senior game for, for Durham, the first team, 67 not out, batting with uh, the fellow North, I think I got 200 in that game. Um, that must have been really satisfying, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, I, I just remember trying to survive. And I remember Northy whacking it out the rough the whole game. Um, I think he got to 150 before I got to 50. but. Um, 
yeah, that was. I I don't ever believe I was prepared and and ready for the game. I mean, they they'd done everything they could for me. Mm-hmm. I got given the opportunity to play. Uh, um, I just with it, and it was another one where I got my my first innings and I managed to get some runs. Um, I was in awe of watching Marcus North at the other end smacking it to all parts, but and the mark for about ten or twelve balls, and then I, I played a, a a panic hook shot <laughs> off Alex Worf, I think it was. Top edge dropped about a, me- a meter too short of whoever was down at fine leg, and yeah. um, probably someone with my fielding ability. <laughs> and um, and then I went on to get sixty odd. What was the point where that that feeling went away? Like, can you? I, I, like, I can I can play at this level. <sighs> I don't think it's really gone away until the last couple of years. Yeah. I think cricket is one of the sports you always question yourself, don't you? Um, because you can get 100 one day and then get out first ball the next day, which I, I've, I've had happen to me before. Not very often, because hundreds don't come around very often, but <laughs> the zeros and first bowlers do. Um, I don't know, there's, there was just always something in the back of my mind that, oh, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I deserve to be playing here, or I'm not sure I'm good enough. But then I kept on surprising myself. And then, um, yeah, then, then things just sort of started to evolve, I think. I think probably my days at Northlands, I started feeling as if, yeah, now I'm, I'm deserving of a first team spot. And then, then once I left Northlands, I genuinely believed I was a, a, a good enough player to play how I, how I felt I wanted to. And I was forced to, I think I was forced to play it that way. Cause it was coming towards, in my eyes, it was coming towards the end of my career. So what am I going to do? Just go out and enjoy every game. And I just played a style of cricket that, that I felt was, the best one for me and all of a sudden I've started hitting the ball all over the place. I read an article um, and you can maybe take us back to this game against Lancashire in the Friends Provident where you got catapulted up to number three and I think maybe people at the club had thought you had a percept or they had a perception of you as being you know pretty straight um, not prepared to maybe take the batsman the, the bowlers on and then you played this innings against Lancashire against Flintoff and Mahmood and everybody according to the article everybody's just been blown away by that I mean that must have given you an enormous amount of confidence yeah that it was it was probably that was my first tv game I reckon um and I was I think I was surprised to be playing uh and then there was full of stars there was Gary Keady left arm spinner um Jimmy Anderson Flintoff, Saj Mahmood, um, and I think I got thirty odd, and and I, I probably I probably hadn't done a whole heap to get into the team. Then I might have scored a few second team runs, but I certainly hadn't done it on weight of runs. It was it was it's obviously them taking a, a bit of a a hunch on me, and I played a number of uh, what I call them anti skill shots that game, where. <laughs> I was trying to hit it somewhere and it went somewhere else, but it kept going for four. And and I was like, wow, this is and the crowd are cheering and 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 people after the game were were um oh, that, that was an amazing shot. You pulled Saj Mahmood back over his head. <laughs> like that and was, was like, planned. Yeah, like that was planned. It was more of a I'm trying to pull him over square leg, but I was a bit late on it, so I hit the middle <laughs> of my bat and went straight over his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and and during the game, my 
and and that I found something in me there that day that just gave me the confidence that all of a sudden I was like, well, I want to hit him there and I want to hit him there. And I, I started taking it on. And I remember stupidly, Andrew Flintoff running into bowl at me. He bowled the first ball. And I don't know why, but I probably wasn't aware enough of Andrew Flintoff's ability then. Obviously, he was, he was just sort of fringing England, maybe played a game or two. I knew he was good and I knew who he was. And he ran in, bowled the ball. I thought, that was nice. Came off the bat nice. So I must have probably hit it to mid-off, which I've done a million times in my career, and hit it to a fielder, which I was even better at those days. <laughs> and I, th- I thought to myself, the next time he bowls, if he pitches it up, I'm going to try and whack him over the side screen. And I just remember he ran up, he pitched the ball up, and I had a massive swing at this ball. And all I did is I, I, I thudded it onto my, onto my, my, my front leg. And he just looked at me and just went, I'm pretty sure he just went, all right, big lad. Because <laughs> cause, cause back then, back then, a score of, well, it, was, it would have been a 40 over game, you know, 50 over game. The scores of 250 were pretty, pretty big scores mm-hmm. then, you know, rather than 350, 400. And, and, and I hadn't hit a ball in the air my whole career to that point. And I don't know what happened to me in that game. Like I said, a, a fair amount of anti-skills and a fair amount of just self-confidence just just came from that game but i also remember i i I clipped one to the leg side and i started running and i put as i put my head down i remember oh no flintoff's going to pick up a short mid wicket i'm going to be miles short so i just legged it put my head down and i ran and dived full full stretch like a baseball dive into into the crease he hadn't even picked the ball up The ball, the ball was sitting on the ground at mid-wicket and everyone on the ground just... What are you doing that for? That run had a full-on dive. He hasn't even picked a ball up. <laughs> yeah. So, so there, 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 that was the ebb and flow of probably my first ever, first ever TV game, which... You, you talked, yeah, you talked was, greatly was there cool. about confidence. Is there anything that you do in order to sort of improve confidence, for sort of visualisation? What kind of mental skills do you do you use if any i think i don't necessarily use any any skills or or, or any training i've i've just watched what other people have done um i think i've just learned it over the years and mm. um, from trial and error i would encourage anyone to um not be scared of making mistakes if you make mistakes take that into the next game if you're fearing making a mistake you, you'll always have that little birdie on your shoulder asking that question, should I play this shot or, or should I do this? If, you, if you're strong enough to make a decision, make that decision and back it. If you back it, you've got more chance of, like I say, anti-skilling it and it going your way because you've committed an extra 10, 15, 20% to that shot. Mm-hmm. It's more likely to come off. If you're thinking in your head, oh, I'm not sure, you... Uh, you lose that you you lose that chance of you know just getting a thicker part of the bat potentially so what i would say is just you've got to make a decision be willing to make a decision and um commit to it and if you get it wrong think about that and then go on to the next game yeah you might make the same decision again and this time it goes right because actually your decision was right you just didn't execute it correct i think from a batting perspective so many batsmen play within themselves 
Um, and I think sometimes their best innings is where, you, as you say there, you, you do some sort of anti-skilling stuff. I always remember Corey Richards, who played in, in that game that you played your, your debut in and played at New South Wales. And he took me aside one point and he said, you look a better batsman when you're actually attacking. Um, and that was a huge sort of aha moment. Um, that if somebody yeah. had said that to me when I was an 18 or 19 year old, then yep. uh, who knows? So the games, the games changed too, hasn't it? So yeah. people mm -hmm. are encouraged more to do that. Uh, and you, it sounds as if Corey Richards was ahead of his time there and giving you some really, really solid adv advice. Um, uh, and it's funny. Often people who you know, I'm talking club cricket here, and and my brother's a great example of this. He he was encouraged to go and enjoy his Friday nights when he was when he was playing for Stonywood, because he would either always think too much or 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 something along those lines. He would play much better when he was relaxed yeah, and probably yeah. slightly hungover. I'm not encouraging anyone <laughs> to do that by any means, but that that was what what got him going in the past. And there's been there's been a number of cricketers over the years that were that way inclined. Maybe cricketers. Um, back in the day, would would be a bit more that way inclined. But Stuart, Stuart scored his highest ever scores and played his best when when he'd had probably far too many the night before. Um, but that was a way for him to loosen up. But now now we're encouraged to loosen up and be freer anyway when you go out in the field. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can, I can decipher between two styles of my game. One where I'd just stay behind it and block it because I probably wasn't strong enough to hit it through the field at that time. And then I learned my, my game through that use to, as David Lamb once said, well, he said recently in a Stonio Dice podcast, you just set a ring around Kyle and he'd hit it to the field, which was true. <laughs> and then I got stronger and stronger and started managing to get it through the field. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think you might remember from that game that we played at um, my, one of my first ever um, National League games that, Everyone was just around the bat. I think I had about five short legs because there we go, Kyle's on a silly point. It's not going to hit it past us. <laughs> so listen, you're coming towards, I guess, the fag end of your career and it's been one hell of a, a career. A high point, what would the high point be for you? Oh, I've been, I've been very lucky to, to play in a lot of places. And like I said, I surprised myself with a lot of things I've done. Um, playing in the World Cups, probably up there. Um, I played in, in, I think, five in total, including under-19 wow. World Cups. Mm -hmm. uh, scoring yeah. runs, scoring runs against Bangladesh. Um, that 100 was pretty special. It was first ever 100 my, my, my parents um, saw me score live. Mm -hmm. um, but that England game, you know, that England game's got to, got to be up there. So mm -hmm. I think it's a can be an iconic moment for for Scottish cricket, but but world cricket, I think, over the years. Yeah, for sure. So you talked there about advice. You're now, what, 36, I think. So tell me, what would your 36-year-old self tell your, I don't know, 14-year-old self? It, it would it would all be around confidence and, and, and backing. Um, I would probably, you know, and I got told, I got told similar messages when I was younger. Much, but we got all get so engrossed in 
how we, you know, a small change in our technique might have a huge impact on on our on our scoring abilities. Um, but it it would be if you be willing to make decisions and be willing to back them as much as you possibly can. Um, back yourself when you're on the field. You're not going to get it right. Be willing to make decisions and be willing to make mistakes. That will teach you along the way. That will teach you. Be open to um. Be open to the learning that that gives you. You'll find a way in other ways, you know. I do wonder whether that, see, that, that quite small thing of like what you would tell yourself in some ways is exemplified in that Scotland England game of like how people clearly people just went out and batted with confidence and backed their skills. I mean, obviously, it'd been an absolute bacon hot summer and there was a really nice flat track at Grange. But I imagine Scotland players getting themselves at previous World Cups or whatever worried about the quality of the players that they're playing against. And that day it felt like it was just, we can go out, play the way we want to play because the conditions allowed it, but also just because of a bit of our freedom. And it came off. I don't know, maybe that's a bit of a jump, but it feels like it can be sort of... That, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I'm glad it came across like that because for probably a year in advance, we had spoken about this England game. Grant Bradburn had framed it nicely. Um, about one day we will be England. You might you might have heard me say this in, in other places, but one day we will be England. Why can't it be now? So mm. we were framed like that, mm-hmm. and it was a great point because it was going to happen at some stage. Well, you'd hope so, and and it all came together um, perfectly. But we we had spoken about how we can, what we needed to do to 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 beat a top side like that, and and that involved playing a certain style of cricket. So. When we played a side like England before, I, th- I think possibly we'd gone out thinking that we want to put in a good performance rather mm-hmm. than we want to beat them. Um, I'm not saying that was the case. There'll be a number of players, uh, um, Righty being probably an old uh, friend of yours or someone that you've known over the years. So he was captain through a number of those, those games, Gavin Hamilton as well. Um, and yes, we went out to win those games, but did we genuinely believe it? I, I don't know. Um, I think probably a little bit in my mind when I played some of those games, is I just want to, I don't want to look silly. So yeah. we, we created this thing, right, we need to be able to score 320. That's, we need to play a style of cricket that will allow us to play 320. We have to be able to score through the middle overs against spin and find boundaries. Who better to do that than people like Kelly McLeod, um, George Munsey, um, Richie Barrington, guys like that who have the ability to play play sweeps, hit the ball um, 360 degrees, have power, and and that was the foundation in which we we built around that. We also <coughs> didn't want to be fearsome. Didn't want to be. He's going to come back on. He's had a few problems. Chris always has problems. I, t- <laughs> I don't know how much preparation. We don't do a lot of preparation, I have to say, on Out the Shoe. <laughs> and he's done little than, little than nothing. I phone him up <laughs> 5 to 10, and he's still in his bed. I'm thinking, oh, no. Kyle Kurtz, for God's sake, <laughs> make an effort. <laughs> anyway, yeah. he'll, he'll be on at some point. So we were talking about England, and we were talking about the, the game um, and how Grant Bradburn, and I did pick up on that, how he said, we're going to beat England at one stage, why can't it be today? And I just thought that that was absolutely fantastic bit of sort of psychology 
to give you guys that little bit of motivation if that was ever needed. Um, but it, it did it did look as if you felt as if you were equals to them. And I think that plays back to the mindset thing is it, and is just so important as far as the cricket is concerned. Yeah, I, th I think uh, Grant was really, really good at framing um, the build-up to, to tours um, to, to give it all a bit of meaning. You know, every game has, has its own meaning anyway. You know, you want to perform for Scotland, but he would give it an extra meaning, which for us um, helped really align, align us with our, our uh, challenges ahead and, and what was required to get there. Uh, and, and that, we will be England uh, why can't it be now was was up there was you know was, was outstanding um you know thinking on on his part and him and him and his support team there um pulled together pulled together some really good um uh, slides and documents uh, along the way and mm -hmm. um it just it just it just gave us what we needed and and for for one day um we were you we were number one in the world for one day weren't we you know the way we played and and the the fearless nature in which we showed um everyone sort of stepped up to the plate people caught well people fielded well run outs you know the pressure moments in the in that game there's someone like i remember that that michael lease catching the ball over the top of the stumps to to knock it with his arm mm -hmm. for the run out that that style of run out was trained time and time and time again but under pressure yeah from from grant and his team um, and Michael Lee's attack to pick the ball up at the bottom end of the ground at the Grange, which isn't easy because no. the, the ground is a bit wavy. Oh, it's terrible. Pull up it cleanly and throw it over the top for Safi to then take the bails in the similar fashion in front of the stumps, yeah. take the ball, knock, knock the stumps with his arm. That, those, those are pressure moments that we trained time and time again. Um, and, and I think it was interesting because you went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and I don't know at what stage they realised that they were in a real game but it got to a stage where it was equal against equal and it was down to who was going to crack and I was just astonished looking at it and, and listening to it that England just cracked. There was one part where Mo and Ali um, was was batting and all he needed to do was drill it down the ground on the deck and for some reason he tries to go aerial and gets caught and he just thought it's amazing that professional cricket says that that high level when the situation is so pressurized anybody can crack anybody at all yeah yeah i remember that i remember the moment pretty clearly to be honest and and just um, just put it back just a little bit when Johnny Bairstow was going in, uh, in in the power play and I just remember thinking he's just hitting us for four or six wherever we bowl it whether guys are bowling in a good place or not mm -hmm. so my thinking around then um, you know it was easy for guys to start panicking and, and stuff getting thrown around and, and there were ideas and and I just remember thinking right all I'm going to do to Johnny Bairstow is make him try to hit it to a different part of the field so it was, he keeps hitting us over a mid-off or a long on or wherever. Just move a guy there, make him try and hit it somewhere else, make him show us all of his shots. Yeah. And, and he proceeded to do that and still, got, and still smacked 140-odd balls or whatever it was. But, um, and then when it came to Mo and Ali, England had powered themselves. You know, someone scores 140 balls, you're going to be in a pretty dominant position. But 
the game wasn't away from us. There was still plenty of runs to score. It's still the crunch end of the game. And I remember thinking, right, I'm going to have to, I'm going to try Mark Watt here. Um, Mark, Mark was a reliable bowler and he's, he's one of our, our, our premier bowlers these days. And, and Mark, to his own credit as well, thought, well, he needs to be wicket, he needs to be brave, he's going to give this one a little bit of air, and he did. Because Mo and Ali had hit a few over, I think it hit one over long off into the, the catering area or the, the, the bar area, and, yeah. and Gordon Drummond's old man had taken a catch, an excellent catch in the crowd. <laughs> and, and he thought, he, I think he changed his, I think he might have come over the wicket, so he's going to toss this up and, and hope that he takes it on, and he took it on, miscued it. Because um, the boundaries are, are, they're not huge at the Grange, especially with the stands in, they get a little bit smaller. That was a brave moment for Mark Watt. We needed, we needed a wicket and he got mm. it. That turned the course of the game, really. Well, I mean, I didn't think, I mean, they were in a comfortable position, but the, the game still had to be won. But, you know, someone, someone making a, a bold decision like that, rather than just keep firing it in top of the stumps, at the stumps, hoping they're going to make a mistake, he, he, he ultimately he won that battle. And I think if you can get, and I think that's what happened then, that you ended up having two new batters, and it doesn't matter what standard of cricket that you play, if you're trying to chase down a total and you've got two new batters in, the dynamic completely changes. And for a period of time, the, the bowling side is, uh, are on top. And I guess it depends as to how long the bowling side can stay on top as to whether or not the bowling side are going to win. But it was, it was astonishing. Yeah, so... So if you've got if you've got runs on the board, so I often think like this: um, if you've got runs, if you've got a big score on the board, you don't necessarily want to just put your field back. Because if you put your field back, then sides can milk their way to a situation where the, a, a couple of boundaries can then bring them in within within range of of beating you. But but there comes a point that the run rate gets to a certain level that. If you then put your fielders back, them knocking one isn't going to hurt you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What they then have to do is they have to find a way to hit the ball over your fielders or past your fielders to win the game. So it forces them have, to have to play a certain style. So what can happen then is a game can capitulate and they just keep knocking it down. You guys throats in the boundary. Thanks very much. Um, game's done and dusted. Or it can encourage them to be forced to play us, I have to do this. So when, when someone has that clarity in their mind, I have to play this way, they might, they might get away with it, then they might they get the confidence. You know, we've spoken about confidence and clarity. I have to play this way, and then all of a sudden they can start clearing you men. So it can work two ways, but you've got to be quite switched on to which way, which way that's going to work. But um, I think we were forced that day to put our fielders back. You were only allowed four out the ring and up to the... 40th over, and um, so there's always a gap in the field in 50 over mm -hmm. cricket these days, which makes it quite exciting and, and free flowing. So, um, yeah, we 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 got that one right, or Mark got that one right. I would say he was the brave guy to to, to make the call in that day. And were were England McManamus McManamus What's the word? Um, were they okay with their defeat? How did they did they just pack their bags and bugger off, or or did they stay around? How did they treat it? Yeah. I feel I feel a little bit bad about this actually because we were all so ecstatic and the crowd obviously ran onto the field and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, I made sure that we went over to them and you know everyone shook their hands as you do yeah, after you a did. game 
and congratulate. So I, I made sure. Um, but I felt, uh, you know, the atmosphere was so so crazy that I didn't feel before I knew it. The England boys were walking out the ground with their bags. So I don't know. I don't know what was said in terms of you know from their coaching staff and the, and, and their group after the game if they said anything at all. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't that time to go in and and just have a chat with them. But you also don't feel you know a game like that and a victory like that for us. You also don't feel should we just go in and have a little chat because they might just think you're trying to go in there and 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 wind them up and rub them up the wrong way. You know. So uh-huh. Before we knew it, there was interviews and and the guys at the lap around the field and, and just said thanks to all the supporters and the England boys are dragging their bag out and I felt really bad about that but then again I didn't want to we didn't want to go and you know just you know show off in many ways you know none of our mm-hmm. guys would be that way inclined anyway but what I did receive later in that evening was a text message from an old teammate Liam Plunkett all right yeah, uh, yeah. he he messaged me and said, all his message said was go on then because <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, he was waiting, waiting for me to brag about it or boast in some way. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And I just, I can't remember what my reply was. I could probably search it on my phone actually. Um, but it would take a bit of time. But it, it was just going then, and then, and then I said, oh, I'm, I had a few laughing emojis or whatever. And and then, then his next reply was, I'm, I'm sharing a room with Mark Wood. He's currently got a bucket of his foot in a bucket of ice. Because if you remember Safi's last in-swing, yeah, 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 in the yeah, toes. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. so um, they were they were um, they were quite light-hearted about it. And I had a couple of messages from a few guys in that England team, um, just saying congratulations, well done. And and I thought I was very good of them. But uh-huh. um, I do wish that we could have shared a, a a drink or a chat at the end of the game. But mm-hmm. as things as things you know, one thing led to another. We didn't. So that was what twenty when was that? Was that twenty eighteen? Was it? Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. So you took the captaincy on in twenty seventeen. Was that a no brainer to I mean, Grant came along and said, Listen, do you want to be skipper? Was that an, an absolute no brainer to take that? Or were there some thoughts of, you know what, because you you've had, I guess, your ups and downs with, with Scottish cricket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Yes. So when Grant originally came along, um, he actually he decided to take the captaincy away from me. Um, this was there was a, t- a Passover from when the World Cup qualifiers in New Zealand, which we qualified for the, fifth, the 2015 World Cup, and we didn't officially have a coach then. And that's when Peter Steinle, I think, had stood down, and then we took Craig Wright and Paul Collingwood with us, and we qualified for that tournament. But during that tournament, I got injured, and Preston Momsen took over and did a hell of a job and got player of the tournament. So I think when Grant came in, he decided that he wanted someone close by and that he could speak to all the time. And I was at North Hans at the time. So the, the communication would be trickier, albeit manageable, because the likes of William Portfield had done it his whole whole career, but with Ireland. Um, and, and you know, uh, um, whoever's captain England over the years, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've probably been in a different county to the selectors and, yeah, and the coach. Yeah, so, sure. so it can work, but, and that was hard to take, but I think that was probably the best, best thing for the team. Um, and then when, I, when Grant asked me to do it again, it wasn't just a case of, yes, I'm going to dive in and do it. It was, am I the right, in my mind, I was thinking, am I the right person to do it? Do I want to do it? Um, are my experiences correct to take the team on? 
and do I and um, because I'd had lots of challenging times of being captain. You know, captain brings a lot of responsibilities, mm. but um, uh, I think if you're going to take on a role like that, it it can't just be oh this is a great opportunity. It is being captain is a, a real honour. But you have to want to do it and you have to be willing to learn and develop your own game. And, and am I the right person? Are the people going to follow me? Because if you're not sticking to some of those guidelines, you're going to find it real tough because people aren't going aren't to come with you and you're going to have some battles. So it wasn't a straightforward decision. And I, it wasn't, Kyle, you're going to be captain, you want to do it? Yes. No, it wasn't like that. It, it was, I said, I need to think about a few things and discuss a few things. So that's how it happened. And ultimately, I'm glad I did it because... Every time I've been captain previously, I don't think I was anywhere near the captain I am today. Interesting, interesting. And you went by mistakes, like I said before. Yes. And you went back to Northant. So they came calling in 2018 to to uh, I guess obviously on the back of the of the England and your your stellar season, they came back and and they had a job for you to do down at Northants in the T20. Um, again, I'm, I'm guessing you just jumped at that notwithstanding the fact that, that they let you go two or three years earlier? Yeah, I think, I think when they let me go a couple of years earlier, I, I'd been, you know, I was, I was struggling a little bit with, with, with cricket. You know, I played some of my best cricket. I went away to a World Cup and I'd, I'd performed brilliantly and I came back and I performed brilliantly for the seconds. But I knew that they were, they were letting me go. They'd already mentioned that a year before. Um, but I, you know, I have some, I have some good friends there, and I have some great memories. I, I won the, yeah. we won the T uh, Twenty Blast when we were there, um, and uh, got promoted to the first division, and we had some successful years there. But when they came back calling, I think I was refreshed in in some ways. And as far as I was concerned, the gap of a year, two years, or whatever it was, I, I'd actually. I was actually playing my best cricket in my career, so why wouldn't I want to go back and play? I was playing yeah. a, an even rejuvenated style of cricket. Um, you mentioned that I, I, thing about being refreshed, and I think that's so important because I guess with the county scene and just playing constantly, you can get yourself into a bit of a rut. Um, and I, again, I was reading um, an article about a time where... Uh, you were at Durham and there was talk of you getting another contract, but there was also equally talk of you not getting another contract. And you decided every year previously, you'd gone to South Africa over the winter. And at that particular season, you decided, you know what, I'm taking a break. And you came back and you had an absolute stellar season. So it, it is so important to be wise enough to realize, listen, you know what, I need to take my foot off the gas and have a break and recharge. Yeah, like I said before, the, the cricket has certainly more downs than ups um, and, and it plays on you mentally. Uh, mm -hmm. I was, I, I, you know, I struggled at times, you know, with, with cricket and, 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 it, and it gets you down when you don't perform because all you want to do is perform and perform yeah. for your teammates and your friends and there's a lot of people watching you and when you're playing, playing at the professional level, there's expectation on your shoulders. Um, but yeah, the, I I remember my last probably two years at Northants. As much as I was loving being around the guys and in the dressing room, and there was some success, and I was I was keeping an eye out for what can I do after because mm. I was half getting worried about half mm -hmm. worrying about you know if, if they don't contract me, what am I going to do? So 
so that that wasn't the right place to be playing cricket um, um, personally and and the fact that I was concerned about it was was putting me off so when 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 I actually got released it was actually actually it was a great conversation I was sat there with David Ripley and uh, Phil Rowe uh, with North Anson I went into the office and I was like and is everybody like, just take us to does is everybody so lined up saying next 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 it's not like that yeah. I presume or is it well, well yeah their appraisals they line their appraisals up over a couple of days and right your, your turn's coming and the way it sort of happens is someone goes in it's like what's happened what's been said you know it's like it's like kids in school like the headmaster and and, and you can never please, you can never please everyone because uh -huh. they said this and they said that and i've done this because the players fight in their corner and i scored these runs and um so everyone and, and fights you, in the corner and, and and do you know when you're going in for that appraisal they're going to at the end of that appraisal they will make their decision which i presume they've already made anyway um and they're going to make that decision there and then so you'll know whether or not you get a contract or not after that meeting yeah um i think you 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 get markers throughout the year now the yeah, way it's done yeah, and it yeah, never used to be yeah, like, yeah. you get markers mm -hmm. uh, and they, they've given me a good gauge and they've given me a gauge that before the end of the previous season they said um you know it's unlikely you'll get a contract the, the following season and i was like well I haven't even played yet, and then I went away to the World Cup, and I I did brilliantly, and the situation is still the same. So, yeah. um, I went into that meeting. I was kind of just, please just tell me because uh -huh. I just it was like a weight off my shoulders. Oh, thank God for that. I don't have to worry about playing mm. next season. Not that I didn't want to play for Northampton. I love my time there, and I love mm -hmm. the people around it. But it was maybe my current state at the time that I just I just wanted. I just wanted to be forced to find something new and, yes. and keep going. And, and I really, really wanted to play cricket for Scotland, but that, that was also uncertain, I guess, at the time. You know, contracts in Scotland don't mean that you can just rely on them. For me, as a young family, I have to do something else too. So it kind of forced me to do something else. So my, my appraisal that day was, it was like all laugh and jokey and, and have, have a bit of fun and... Um, each were appreciative of each other and, and what we'd done for each other. And um, I'm, I, I would love to have a chat with them and see whether they have many, many appraisals, especially appraisals that you get sapped in really that, that head down that route. But I was, I was ready for it and I was, I was ready for a new challenge uh -huh. and, and I, I needed, I needed that. And when they asked, actually asked me to come back, it was, it was easy to do that yeah, because yeah. I was able to open up more and, and actually, a relationship when you're not employed by someone is so different because you 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 have such more free flow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Yeah, I felt in the best form of my life, and why wouldn't I go back and play? And I wanted uh -huh. to show people that I was still capable, and I was scoring runs at international level at the time. So why wouldn't I be able? To? So at that time at Northants, then how soon after you got that two-year contract did they say, you know what, it's unlikely that that's going to be renewed? Was that into the second year of that contract? Um, no, it was still in the first year. What? Still in the first how, year. How, how can you motivate yourself when you get given the, the fact that that's you, <laughs> you? You're not going to be here, and there's no future. Look, there, there. The the club had some financial challenges, which ultimately is what drives or uh -huh. what pushes yeah, them to yeah, make decisions yeah. in, in in any walk of life. But mm -hmm. I was still contracted, so I knew I knew what I had. Um, 
uh, I think it wasn't just myself that was put in that in that boat. So yeah. Um, and and after that, one of those players actually went on to still maintain a contract. So so that was really good for them. Um, but um, being told that is was was really tough. And but it it was okay for me because, I, like I said, even in that time frame, I was thinking, what 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 else can I do? And mm. I decided, and I went and had a great year the next year, not for the first team. Um, I played second team and I, and I churned runs for the seconds. Um, but I, I just went in with a frame of mind, I really want to enjoy myself, have a good year in the seconds, enjoy my time, because this might be my last time playing county cricket mm. or, or second team or whatever, and, and enjoy the company of the people around. And, and I, had a, I had a great year. So did you feel that you scored enough of a weight of runs in that season to be given an op another opportunity in the first team? Or did they just think, well, you're not going to be here next year, so we're not even going to bother putting you in the first team? Yeah, so I, 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 I scored more runs probably than I ever had done in, the, in, in any second team year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I scored double hundreds. 150 um, bang 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 game after game for a couple of games so I'd, I'd certainly and that was off the back of a good world cup coming into a cricket season yeah yeah, yeah. so I was in a rich vein of form and yeah and I did ask look when am I going to get a game and and they, they basically said no you know we're going to stick with these guys uh, mm -hmm. I was like well, fine that's okay because I'd already made my peace with it so it was okay yes yes um and then as the season came along injuries happened in a small squad at North Anson and I actually did get an opportunity I thought this is great but I was I wasn't that fussed whether I did well or not I was going to go there and try and enjoy those games for what mm -hmm. they were mm -hmm. and, and what happened I remember getting nicked off down the leg side at, at Old Trafford and I was like oh, for god's sake you know that's not 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 how I want to no. want things to go but uh -huh. um, I enjoyed the company of the players I was around, and yeah. I enjoyed the games for what they were, what they were, and 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 I'd got myself in a good place to 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 manage that. And, um, yeah. Ch change. You mentioned change there, and it's an interesting concept. Change, um, and and there are some times where I always think there's there's two things that ha ha can happen with change. Change is forced upon you, and you've got no other option, or your current situation becomes so bad that change then becomes inevitable and you've then got to make the decision. Um, yeah. For me in, in my career, as far as the, the law, because I'd spent 30 years as solicitor, it got to a stage where I've, I've got to get out of this um, and it was the best decision that I've ever made. So interesting to see that that change was forced upon you. I presume you have ideas as to what you want to do moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've entire in time learned that learned about change. You know, change not changing gives you a little bit of security because you know kind of your boundaries and where you are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Change is the best thing that you could ever do. I think sometimes it, it force it puts you a little bit out of your comfort oh, zone of course and it's on the edge, but it then forces the best out of you. You have yep. to find a way um, for things to work, and you will find that within your your business and and your your life as well. And um, you have to be willing to understand that change sometimes you you know you'll if you didn't change you'd probably plateau and you'd go along a, a certain route with little ebbs and flows but if if you do change you're probably going to drop off a little bit before before you can push yourself past the plateau mm. that you're on so but it, it's scary oh it's extreme extremely extremely scary you've got that um, comfort and everybody likes a bit of comfort and you're thinking well 
you're not thinking because when you look back at your career it will look quite linear whereas when you're actually in the thick of it and you're in a sort of comfort spot you're thinking oh, shit, if i make this decision it might all go pear-shaped yeah so it's, yeah. it's when you're in the moment it's it's a hell of a difficult thing to do and a brave thing to do yeah well there, there were times when i was at durham uh that there was there was a there was a stage that I was I was um, spoken to by uh, selectors f uh, from England about possibly a, a potential Lions tour mm -hmm. uh, at one at one stage and oh, that blew me away. I like I was wow. I, you know, again, I told you that I never believed you know my own ability. I guess, and you always question yourself, and that blew me away. And 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 the, the next year, I actually, having had an absolute stinker, so it wasn't wasn't great. But maybe that extra pressure wasn't great. But as the seasons went along. I had some interest from from a couple of other counties, um, rightly or wrongly, um, whether they'd spoken to me in the in the correct manner. But I did, and and I really appreciated those. And and there was potential of of me maybe going somewhere else to further my career. And and I and I probably look back and I loved my time at Durham, and we won the county championship, and we mm. won the Friends Province. And if I'd taken that opportunity, that was an opportunity for change, an opportunity for me to be out my comfort zone and and develop. If I'd taken that, who knows what might have happened? I might have progressed a bit a bit further, but I didn't. I took the the cushion of I want to be I want to be safe. I'm too scared. I was probably far too intimidated and too too shy a person to take that opportunity. But I was encouraged by it. But you just you just never know. Uh -huh. um, so change. I, I would encourage not to just go and change your technique in many ways, but yeah. you know if you're given an opportunity and have you plateaued consider that and consider your change and, and think about it carefully but change is a, a, a really important thing in, in all aspects of life not just sport i would encourage people to consider it no, that's brilliant that's brilliant listen i know we've taken up a lot of your time and, and you've been very frank and, and open and, and it's been absolutely fantastic um so what do you see see in the next five years what, what do you see going into a bit of coaching maybe yeah so i've i've uh, I've done my level four coaching badge. I don't know how I managed to blag my way into the course, but I did. Um, I'm not sure how many current players have, have managed to go through that, a handful possibly, because it is very challenging to find that time to, to do it. And mm. um, coaching, you, most of the people who do it are coaching full time and have access to these, these uh, players to use and, and to, to run through the course. But the course is, is also, a, um, I got a postgrad diploma through Gloucestershire Uni which I certainly would never have got if it wasn't helped from my wife and and uh, being forced into into this yeah um, well I wasn't forced into it but I made that call because I went through level three and someone said look Kyle I recommend you going at level four and I was like oh. and all I was thinking was level three Jeez, that was hard work <laughs> what's <laughs> four gonna be last, last thing I want to do is go and study again for another two and a half years yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. so I got that and and I'm really glad that I managed to burgle a, a, a degree out of Gloucestershire Uni and um, the fact that some people might think I might be a reasonable coach. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that I've achieved that. But playing is my main focus. Like mm. I, want to, I want Scotland to, to get as close to, if not achieve, full member status um, in, the, in the years to come. Um, I, want, I would like to play personally in another couple of World Cups. And I'd like to move this team into a more consistent era of beating um, full member member teams. Um, we've certainly got the players and the, and the staff and the organisation to do it. We're, 
we're developing really, really fast. There's going to be a few road bumps in, in, in the way, but we, we have got what we require to, to move on. So my, my career is certainly focused on my playing because like when I was thinking I was near the end when I was at uh, North Ants, what am I going to do? I've had that feeling again, but I've still got another four or five years at that. Mm. And playing another 50 over, over World Cup would be probably a pinnacle for me, I think. So we've got a few years for that, yeah, and we've still got to qualify, so plenty of games well, to play. Yeah. If, if we'd just beaten the West Indies in that oh, game, just that would that, have made a, yeah, I might have DR, been retired already. And the DRS. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just, oh, that just must have been a really tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Oh, it was one of the toughest conversations when the umpires called myself and Jason Holder together, and I sort of looked up at Jason, to be fair, because he's pretty big bloke. <laughs> Um, and he said they haven't got enough time to, to clear the ground and they're going to have to call it. And I remember when the rain was sort of coming in, we looked on the radar, we did all our due diligence and it was yep. meant to be about a five minute shower. All of a sudden it was like this monsoon and this uh, cloud came around us and it was uh -huh. like, and I just saw the guy's expressions just drop and it was just, it was just so gutting. And mm. the fact that we were ahead of the game and then, something happened and we went behind the game in a short period of time just made it even harder to take afterwards and yeah there was a lot of emotions in the dressing room after yeah. that because we had done some special things in that tournament mm. with amazing cricket yeah and uh yeah look it's one of those things like i said i could be retired right now if i played in it but i'm not so <laughs> got another few years to try and qualify and play. going Still keep going. But Listen, normally we can play not... against each other one day. You know, strap the pads on and I'll have a bullet you, maybe. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Now, listen, before we go, normally it's myself and Chris that do the, uh, the outro. So the outro is one of us says um, sometimes right. You can say sometimes wrong. But then we say always certain. Okay. All right. It's dead easy. Nothing. What can okay. go wrong? Okay. okay. Out the shoe. Sometimes right. Sometimes wrong. Always certain. <laughs> Always certain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes right. Okay, we've done it. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, okay, that's great. Okay, Look after yourself. Okay.